Bibles and would like to find it, it's on page four. Genesis chapter one. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he would made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thanks, Rachel. And let's pray, shall we, as we turn to Scripture. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray now that as we look at these words from Genesis, as we think about what it means to be made in your image, that you would open our hearts and minds to understand the Scriptures, that you would fill us afresh with your Spirit, and that you would send us out to live for you, reflecting your image in a broken world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so good evening everyone, let me add my own welcome. My name's Tom, I'm the vicar here at Emmanuel. Uh, please do come and say hi if you're new or a visitor. Uh, you're particularly welcome this evening, it's great to have you here. Uh, and do come and say hi and introduce yourself after the service. Uh, you've come on a good evening, we're starting a new sermon series tonight. Next few weeks we're going to be working through the start of Genesis together. Uh, and the start of Genesis teaches us about who we are. It's, it's a series all about what it means for us to be human. And in these opening chapters, we, we read and we learn about marriage and singleness, uh, about conflict and pain, about work and rest, uh, and the, today about meaning and purpose. There are questions right at the core of who we are and why we are here. Uh, and so today's kind of a taster of some of those themes as we kick off, and we'll unpack them more over the rest of the series. Uh, and looking tonight at a, a much used, but perhaps a little understood phrase, what does it mean for us to be made in the image of God? Uh, it's a phrase that's led in our civilization and culture to human rights. This is what human rights were originally built on. Uh, and incidentally, this is the image of God and human rights is actually one of the biggest problems with the atheist worldview. When I'm with my atheist friends and we're having one of those deep conversations late at night, this is often where we end up. Because we all believe, Christian, atheist, whoever you are, we all believe, don't we, that deep down that human beings are equal, that we all have inherent worth and value and dignity, that every life is valuable, that every life matters. And so everyone deserves basic respect. 
And it's one of the few things that our culture agrees on. We don't agree about a lot of things, but we do agree about this. And it's been at the heart of so many big things in culture in the last few years, um, like fighting misogyny and abuse with hashtag MeToo, or fighting racism with Black Lives Matter. So we all believe that humans are valuable and equal. But the problem, if, if I'm an atheist, is that it's not at all logical to believe that human beings all have equal value and dignity. If there's no God, and there's no afterlife, and there's no spiritual reality, if all we are is neurons firing, and when we die, we rot, then nothing has absolute value. There is no absolute meaning. Nothing really matters. And because there's no such thing as right or wrong, just personal preference, you do you, even the idea of human rights is illogical, because there's no absolute meaning. It's just something I like to believe. And that's one of the deep discomforts of atheism. All my atheist friends, they're really good people. They really want to believe that all people are equal and have equal value. But the problem is that atheism itself undermines that belief. And logically, I'm forced to, believe, to admit, if I'm an atheist, that human rights isn't grounded in reality. It's not objectively true. It's just what I wish was the case. Uh, for the Christian, on the other hand, it's really clear why we believe that everybody matters, isn't it? It's right here in the Bible. We are all made in the image of God. We are all equal. We are all valuable, male or female, black or white, whoever you are. We're not better than anyone else. We have no right to abuse anyone else or look down on anyone else. We are all in the image of God. What we want to believe only actually makes sense if God exists. Uh, that's, uh, that's kind of a tangent to start the service. Um, what... It's only the beginning of what it means to be in the image of God. And what I want to dig into tonight is what it actually means, what difference it makes to us that we are made in the image of God. Because it's not just that we have value, that that's the start of it. It actually reveals what our purpose is, why we're here, what the meaning of our life is, what we were created for. Uh, so let's dig in together and see three things that it means for us, our three parts of our purpose, because we're made in the image of God. And the first is this. You are made in the image of God to reflect what God is like. Uh, and for this, we have to understand what an image actually did. If you were reading this thousands of years ago, back when they had temples, and they kind of had statues of the gods or the idols in the temples. When you walked into a temple, you'd see an image of the god, and it might have um, multiple heads, or it might have an animal head, or it might just be a big human, and it would have symbols of its power. And when you walked into the temple, you'd bow down before the image, before the idol in the temple. And so for someone in the ancient world, the primary meaning of the image of God was clear. It means we were created to represent God, to show what God is like, literally to image God. How do you know what God's like? Look at the image. That is our purpose. That's what we were created for, to reflect our creator. Uh, and right here, this is so different from all of the other cultures around ancient Israel. Um, in Egypt, then, then Pharaoh was described as the living image of God. Very similar. But in Egypt, it was just Pharaoh. None of the slaves, nobody else, just Pharaoh was in the image of God. Everybody else was lesser. Uh, same in the Hittite or the Sumerian or the Akkadian text. The king is God's representative. All the rest of us don't count for very much at all. But not so in the Bible. Here we read that we are all in the image of God. We are equal in value. We are equally created with the highest of purposes to reflect what God is like. We're called to demonstrate God's character in everything that we do. And it's that identity as bearers of God's image, reflecting what he's like, that gives us our inherent value and purpose. And it's as we recognize the image of God in other people around us that transforms how we view others, how we honor their worth. 
Now, this is true of everybody. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, whoever you are, you're made in the image of God. You have inherent value and worth. You are made to show what God is like. It's just what it means to be human. But it gets even better when you become a Christian, when you invite Jesus into your life and you start to follow him. Because Jesus is the truest image bearer. And as we come closer to him, we image him better. Colossians 1.15 says it this way, it says, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. All of us were made to image God. But the one thing that all of us humans have in common is we all fall short. We disfigure God's image. We don't live up to it. You and I are like broken images, only imperfectly reflecting the beauty and the glory of God. But not Jesus. Jesus alone was fully God and fully human. And he alone perfectly images the invisible God. How do we know what God looks like? We look at Jesus. We know what God is like. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. He's the only human who truly shows what God is like. Perfect in love and grace and purity. And so when we become Christians, when we trust in Jesus, Jesus comes and takes up residence in our hearts. He fills us with his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. And God's Spirit begins to transform us to look more like Jesus. That's what holiness is, as we reflect the beauty of the God who is so far above us. And you and I, who are broken images, who fall short day by day, we begin to better reflect the glory of God. Uh, And that means that it's only actually through Jesus that we're able to fulfill our purpose as human beings. We are made in the image of God, to image God, to reflect his character. But we can't do it, we fall short. Except through Jesus, who comes into our lives, changes us. And we who are made for connection with him, who is the source of everything, made in his image, we receive his grace and we are transformed and enabled to better live, to reflect his love to others. So that's the first thing. We're created in God's image to reflect and represent him. And even though we're not very good at it, as we come to Jesus, he transforms us so that we reflect what God looks like. Second thing is that we're created in God's image as relational beings. Um, Did you notice the plural? Let let us make mankind in our image. And then he doesn't just make one. He creates um, male and female in the image of God. And then to really underline it, he commands Adam and Eve to increase and fill the earth, reproduce. Let us make mankind in our image, plural. Creates the male and female in community, commands them to go and fill the earth. This is the image of God, because our God is three persons in the eternal relationship of love. And God creates the world out of this love, out of this overflow. Why did God create the world? He wasn't lonely. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were perfectly satisfied, perfectly joyful, uh, perfectly fulfilled. They were having a great time in the Trinity before any of the bad stuff in the earth had come along. They created us. They created you and me because they wanted to sh- he wanted, God wants to share his love with us. We are the overflow of the love that was in God before the creation of the world. Um, And it's one of those places in scripture where the author wrote better than they knew. Uh, In the human author's head was probably the the divine court, so us meaning God and the angels and the other heavenly beings. But as the Bible goes on, we discover that God is Trinity. Jesus comes and reveals to us what God is perfectly like. We start to get a clearer picture in the New Testament of who the Holy Spirit is and how we know him. 
So the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit, points us to a deeper meaning than what the human author had known, um, which is the kind of thing that 2 Peter 1 explains to us. So God is a relational God, and he makes us in his image as relational beings. Uh, And that means that we need each other. We need male and female to image God. We can't do it alone. If all creation was male, we wouldn't reflect God's beauty the same way. If all creation was female, we wouldn't reflect God's beauty the same way. We need both sexes equally valuable. Um, It means that we're good for each other. Humans, together, we help one another to look like God. We help one another to become more like God. Uh, And one of the things we see here is something of the inherent goodness of gender. It's not just an accident or irrelevant that we are male and female. It's actually part of who we are in God's image. Uh, And that's what makes sexism such a gross sin, because when we act in a sexist way or permit sexist structures, then we're denying something of our equality, denying something of the image of God that we are equally made in. Uh, And then God gives them this command. They've been made relational, made male and female to reflect the God who is relational. And he says, go, multiply, fill the earth. Uh, Perhaps the most important work of us as as people is passing it on to the next generation, raising our kids. Uh, It's one of the hardest jobs we're ever given. It's really demanding, but one of the highest privileges. Uh, And that goes for you, whether you have biological children or not, whether you ever have biological children or not. We're all called to be part of this part of this creation mandate to fill the earth and to pass on God's love to the next generation. And the church should be one of those communities which is a prophetic sign to the world where everybody from any um, tribe or tongue or colour or background is equal and where those who are single and those who are married equally belong and participate in this sharing of love with the next generation. Um, My godfathers, he, he never had kids. He has been a huge impact on my life. Uh, And so for you, if you don't have children, you have a calling to pass on God's love, to find spiritual children in the next generation. Um, If you're married, think about how can you include those who are single in your family life. Uh, If you're single, think about how can I support those who've got children or support teenagers in raising up and investing in the next generation. We are not created alone. We are created together. We're created male and female. We are created to be relational because God is relational. And that means that we can't find purpose or fulfillment by ourselves. We need one another. It's, it's why the Bible starts in a garden, but it ends in heaven with a city. That's the picture in Revelation 22. Uh, my picture of heaven, if someone asks me what, what heaven's going to be like, my best image of heaven, I always say Wakanda. Wakanda is what heaven's going to be like. It's, um, it's all the creativity of human technology, all of the community and multiplication of human life, but used for good, not for bad. Uh, the technology level in heaven is going to be insane. There's so much stuff we haven't invented yet, but we're going to use it for good, infinite years, to use technology in our brains and relate to each other and invent for the glory of God. Um, Get excited for what heaven's going to be like. It's not in the clouds, floating, separate, not connected with anybody, not doing anything. Um, And that's the third thing that we're going to see um, probably next week, so we don't have time this week. We're created in God's image to reflect what he's like. We're created in God's image to relate to one another in community. And we're created in God's image. Verse 26, God says, let us create mankind in our image to rule over creation. Uh, And that's why heaven's going to look a little bit like Wakanda, because God's got work for each one of us to do, creativity, uh, a vocation for each one of us. we'll, We'll think about that a bit more next week. Um, Because there's one more point I want to make before we move to prayer this evening. 
Uh, and that's that, as it's obvious really, isn't it? We don't live in Genesis 1, do we? God makes the world and it's perfect. It's good. We reflect God's image. Male and female relate to each other well. We rule and steward creation well. But that's not the reality that we live in today. We live in a Genesis 3 world where humans have turned away from God and broken creation. And um, we know that, don't we? With all the pain that we face in our lives, illnesses, anxiety, fear, broken relationships, so many things that wreck our lives. And we face so much hardship this side of heaven because we don't live in Genesis 1. Humans have messed up this world. And we now are called to be part of what God is doing, reconciling all things to himself in Christ, making the world more as it should be. And the story of the Bible is how we get from the mess that humans make of creation in Genesis 3 through to that perfect city in Revelation chapter 22 where all is right. And how do we get there? How does God restore this world? Very simply, he does it through Jesus. Jesus, God himself in human form, come to live the perfect life, come to show us what it looks like to perfectly image God and then dying in my place and yours on the cross, the only man who did not deserve judgment, the only man who's never fallen short, and he gives his life for you and for me so that he could restore us. It's Jesus who restores what sin and Satan have wrecked. Jesus who dies for our sin and rises to new life to restore us to a relationship with God we were created for. It is only through Jesus that we're able to become what we were born to be, Freed to better reflect the image of God. Reconciled to relate to him and transformed to then relate to one another and to rule over creation for its good and not its harm. At Emmanuel, we sum all of that up in our, our purpose statement, which is that we exist. We, our vision is Jesus. We exist to know him better and we exist to make him better known in this world. That's why we exist. That's what we're here for. It's outlined in Genesis 1. It's made possible only through Jesus. And that's the reason that we're launching small groups and pods this evening. Because it's only as a community that we can know Jesus better. We need one another to grow because we are made relational beings. It's only together that we can make him better known and fulfil our purpose out in the world. We can't do it alone. Uh, so this evening, can I encourage you, we'll pray in a moment and we'll ask God to help to restore in us the image of his glory, how he created us to be. But when the service finishes, do come and chat to one of our small group leaders. The youth groups will be meeting at the back of church. Um, do come and chat. Work out who are you going to journey with this year to help you look more like Jesus. Uh, are you going to commit to a small group? Is that the place you're going to grow? Are you going to form a pod with two or three others saying, let's meet up, let's share how we're doing, let's pray for one another, let's open the scriptures, let's help one another to fulfill our purpose, to, to live the way that we were created to, to image God in this world. We are made for relationship. And this is how we grow. We grow together into our purpose, why we were created, showing God's love to the world. So shall we pray if the band come back? Would you like to stand? And let's ask God to help us do exactly that.